Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compte-Game. This is Millennium Money. And today for Lifestyle Thursday, we sat down with singer and songwriter Matthew Mayfield. And to kick off this Lifestyle Thursday, we're giving away two of Matthew's CDs, Recoil. So head on over to http colon slash slash bit.ly slash 
Matthew Mayfield. I'll make sure and have the link in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy checking out this new fresh singer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Millennial Money Lifestyle Thursday. And this week we sat down with Americana singer-songwriter Matthew Mayfield. We spoke with this talented singer about his latest album, Recoil, which is climbing the iTunes singer-songwriter charts and has over 100,000 downloads on Spotify. Hope you enjoy our conversation as Mayfield opened up about how he poured all his emotions from a breakup into his new record, the attitude of rock and roll, and his loyalty to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I listened to your music preparing for this interview, and I hear a lot of different elements in your songs. Uh, for those who don't know, describe your sound and how you perceive your music. Well, I kind of, you kind of have to put it as a musical bipolar disorder. <laughs> um, you know, I tend to go one way or the other. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, my dad used to play, you know, the Beatles and Neil Young and um, a bunch of folky stuff uh, as a kid on acoustic guitar. You know, he played around the house. And um, and then I got the bug for uh, Guns N' Roses. was actually the first band that I got into. It was a full-on rock band. And then, you know, I started learning about Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And so I'm kind of a hybrid of the two. Um, if I was going to describe it to anybody, I'd say it would be, you know, if it's just me, the guitar, then it's folk rock. But if it's me and a band, then it's rock and roll, mm. you know. Right, right. Um, for many of your songs, you have a real epic quality to your lyrics and, and the rhythms and, and, and you have a real great achy voice. Is that intentional to have like epic lyrics, uh, or does that just happen organically? Yeah, it it it, it really does. It happens organically, you know. I mean, this especially this record, uh, the new one, Recoil. Um, you know, it's the first time I've ever experienced writer's block. You know, so I'd never had that in you know twelve years writing songs and. But I'd gone through a really rough patch with the breakup situation. And um, so, you know, I'd pick up the guitar and it felt like a brick, you know, felt like felt like just a cement block, you know. And uh, and then once the song started spilling out, you know, they just started to come. I mean, you know, tenfold, man. I mean, I, I wrote the whole record in like three or four weeks alone, mm. you know. Which that never happens, you know. Usually they're like a uh, you know a compilation of songs that I've written, you know, over the last year, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. But this one was uh, literally, you know, uh, two to three months max, you know, from written to recorded. So that, that was pretty cool, man. It was a nice experience and super cathartic. You know, really, really helped me get through what I needed to. You know, screaming in the microphone. You know? <laughs> right, right. That, that that is that is a good outlet for a, for a breakup. It helps. It, <laughs> it definitely helps. Well, but besides the the breakup, what was kind of your mindset? Did did you kind of then just focus on certain areas and certain feelings and stuff for, for this album? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 not really as all over the place as the records before, mm-hmm. um, but I think that that you know, it, it's a unit. You know, everything is everything on that record is real, and even the love songs. You know, Raw Diamond Ring, which is the next single, um, Indigo, which is a pretty uplifting song about. You know, if there's a theme throughout the record, it's grief. You know, but grief doesn't always have to be bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be sad. You know, there's a lot of things to be hopeful. And for me, you know, I, you know, I kept the couple of love songs because even though they don't mean anything to me now, mm-hmm. they mean a lot to other people. You know, mm-hmm. people that are getting married, people that are, you know, in that space in that headspace. So I'm honored to be a part of their story, and I'm thankful for the people that come up to me and say, hey, you know, this song, you know, was my first dance, my wedding, or, you know, this song was, you know, my anthem with my girl or my guy. It's like, mm-hmm. thank you. You know, I, it's not mine anymore. <laughs> it's yours. Right. You know? Right. Well, I mean, obviously with this, this last album, you obviously had a different inspiration and it, it, it's kind of a contrast to your last album, Wild Eyes. Um, are you are you always striving to to do something a little different and kind of evolve as an artist as well? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I always want to change, and you know, I think you know, as an artist, it gets really boring to make the same record over and over. You know, there's so many people that want you to make the same record over and over, and want you know their favorite artist to make the same record so they can hear that same sound, but. You know, as an artist, you get bored. Right. You, know, you don't want. I don't want to explore the same sonic territory as I did on the last record. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to do it right mm-hmm. and and do it justice. You know, the thing is, is that you know, it, it's just as you know expensive now as it was you know ten years ago to make a record, right. <laughs> uh, make it right. You know, do it right. Uh, but you know. People are streaming, and you know, it's 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 done for free in a way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I appreciate anybody who buys a ticket to the show or spends their hard-earned money on the t-shirt or whatever. You know, we're, we're, it's a different world now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you mentioned some of the the, the deeper issues that you have on the on the Recoil album, um, your latest album. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about those those subjects and and why were they important to kind of put into this to this album? Yeah, um, well, you know, it's a, a, yeah, deeply personal record. You know, I met a record in 2012 called "A Banquet for Ghosts," mm-hmm. and that's been sort of a fan favorite. You know, it's one of those records that just was super special, and so many people you know got into. I think this one is very similar in a way, but. It seems to trump that one just because I'm uh, a better writer than I was, you know, four or five years ago. Um, and you know, and it's you know, there are songs on there that are a little darker and a little more terrifying. Mm-hmm. Even when I hear them back, you know, they scare the shit out of me, you know. Um, but they're honest, you know. And then there's the ones that are uh, a little lighter, you know, uh, a little lighter than anything I did on that other record. And, 
um, I'm proud of the whole thing. I think I think the process of you know, and you like God's Fault, which is sort of the centerpiece of the whole record. Mm-hmm. That song is, uh, you know, that one and Turncoat, a couple other ones, sort of define the record. Um, and Recoil, you know, the title being, you know, the backlash mm-hmm. of a shotgun when you shoot it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know, it's no joke. Mm-hmm. You know, and none of the songs. You know, you're not trying to take yourself too seriously, but at the same time, you know, you want to give everybody a piece of uh, your heart, you mm-hmm. know. And then once you give them your heart, you'd be so surprised because those people come back and they say, oh, my God, you know, you just told me my life story or my story of my relationship uh, in three and a half minutes. And that, you know, there's no, there's no better prize as a songwriter than that. You know? Right, right. Uh, what uh, I was actually going to ask you about God's your that that title or that track on there, uh, God's Fault. Uh, tell me a b- little bit more about that uh, song and how did you come about that one? Um, well, God's Fault was the first song that I wrote for the record, which is weird. Um, I had that chorus laying around for a while, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I just liked the words and I liked the melody and um and then the verses sort of filled themselves in so you know you've got the it's one of the songs where you know the first verse is first person you know so it's me you know narrating that piece of it which is you know in the shoes of the betrayer um and then the second verse and pre-chorus you know you 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 flip it you know so it's you flip it on to a, the the betrayer, mm-hmm. and um, and then the bridge. You know, this bed is a cage, and now I have to lie in the one that you made. You know, that's that's just me. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get three perspectives within, I guess, a four and a half five minute song. And you know, I really, you know, I feel like that song is so much in my heart. Went into that. And uh, into the song as well as the video. Um, the video is my favorite that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Really happy with the director and the people that work with me on that video because they captured that mood. You know, it's really hard to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it really. It, I mean, especially if you, if you pour your your heart into a song like that, and you 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 don't want to, you know, a video of you just standing there singing or something like that. Yeah, no, no, you can't have that. <laughs> you know, I want I wanted to be, you know, the imagery of yeah. everything that I was experiencing, and the only part that I sang was a bridge, you know, in the video. And mm-hmm. I don't like doing videos very much, <laughs> but I, you know, you have to, right? But I don't. I didn't want to be in it very much. But the director, producers are real um, adamant about mm-hmm. me being in it. But I told him, you know. I just don't want to sing, you know, I'd rather just, I can be in it and be in that moment. But, you know, when that bridge rolls around, I'll sing it. That's, that's all I want to sing. That's all that's worth saying, you know? Yeah. Uh, What was your path to becoming a singer? How did you uh, decide to go into music? Well, I started playing guitar at a really young age, uh, about nine years old. And, um, I, snapped my tibia and fibia both leg bones playing football mm. 
um, you know, I grew up in Alabama, so football is religion down here. <laughs> exactly. And uh, as everybody knows, um, and I'm still an Alabama fan, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, so I snapped those bones and I had a cast from my top of my thigh all the way down to my ankle. So all I could do was just listen in a Walkman, you know, which you might have to explain to a younger generation. <laughs> that it's a device right. that, that handles a uh, cassette tape, yeah. and you put that in your ears, mm. and then, you know, when you want to rewind, you got to hit the rewind <laughs> on the tape. Um, and so I learned a lot about myself and about uh, how to be a guitar player. And so when I was a kid, you know, I, I listened to – you know, Slash was a huge influence. Uh, Joe Perry, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, you know, all those guys, Hendrix, all those guys were my heroes, you know. So I grew up wanting to be the best guitar player in the world. But then when you grow up a little bit, you know, even when I was 13, 14, you realize that there's always going to be somebody better than you, you know, as a guitar player. You're not going to be, you know, Johnny Guitar. You know, right. you got to put you got to put your own stamp on it. So that's when I started to write songs and to sing. You know, I, I didn't start singing. I was in bands for forever, um, and I would write the songs and write the melodies, and then make somebody else sing them. You know, because yeah. I didn't think I had a voice. Yeah. But uh, but when uh, I don't know, seventeen or eighteen rolled around, that's when I. Said, so, well, I, then I have to have a voice. You know, I got no choice. Right, right. I read on your website a quote from you about uh, speaking of like your your rock and roll heroes and stuff like that. That rock and roll isn't a sound; it's an attitude. Uh, can you talk about that quote a little bit and and and, and your feelings behind that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, rock and roll is uh, it's mysterious and it's dangerous. You know, the proper rock and roll bands i mean nowadays you know proper rock and roll doesn't exist you know and i'm not that old you know and it just makes me sound old but <laughs> i'm not you know johnny cash you know he never he wasn't a rock he wasn't quote unquote rock and roll but he's one of the most rock and roll people you ever meet you know um and same with lemmy from motorhead you know learned a lot from him i learned a lot from uh Guns. I learned a lot from Nirvana. I learned a lot from um, even the late era, um, you know, late '90s. Uh, uh, you know, rock and rollers, people that were. It still had an appreciation for what it means to be rock and roll, mm -hmm. because you can have a guy with a with an acoustic guitar. You know, just mm -hmm. just one guy, mm -hmm. and it can be the most rock and roll thing you've ever heard because it is. It's it's not a sound; it's an attitude. You know, some of my best friends, you know, David Ramirez is a good example. You know, he's one of my good friends. He's rock and roll as they come. You know, he's never written a rock song in his life. <laughs> you know, it's not about the sound. You know, it's for me, it's about the attitude and it's about the. You know, you're not. You're not. You're never going to cater to someone else's um, desires or wants, or you know, I'm never going to cater to someone else's uh, 
version of what they want me to be. I'm always just going to be me, take it or leave it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there are probably plenty of artists that have never picked up a guitar, and they maybe the only thing they've ever done is play a keyboard through a drum machine, you know. Right. But they may be rock and roll, you know. Right, right. And good for them. <laughs> how was uh, growing up in Alabama? How did that shape your uh, singing at all? Yeah, yeah, it did. You know, um, you know, Leonard Skinner and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, so many Southern rock bands were sort of always shoved down my throat as a kid. And, uh, you know, and the Shoals, you know, I mean, Muscle Shoals, about two hours north of where I live. So, and the Shoals now, you know, obviously they're they're cranking it out mm-hmm. with Isbell and John Paul White, who's a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. and... Um, Shakes and St. Paul and the Broken Bones and there's so many bands that are coming out of Alabama that are doing really well but I think they all have that you know they just have that thing you know I think Jason Isbell is a great example you know he's got um, you know a great song he, he's, he's by far uh, one of the best lyricists of our time and that's hands down you know I would argue anybody to the death about that but he's also got a musical sensibility about him he's a great guitar player and he's also uh, a great songwriter great singer you know so you can't uh i'm not allowed to cuss i assume on this this format so <laughs> you're allowed to you're allowed to well, you can't fuck with Jason Isbell. Let's <laughs> say that. You can believe it out if you want to. But, you know, you can't. You know, yeah. there's a guy like that. that yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's the Tyrannosaurus Rex of <laughs> our generation. You know, you can't. You, there's nothing. There's nobody that can touch him, yeah. you know. So for me, you know, growing up in Birmingham and being an Alabamian, you know, it's just somebody. It's the, You can't help but get touched by the culture and especially the Southern culture of it, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and also too, just like with your album recoil and the, the inspiration that you had for that, just like how Jason had all his demons that he pours into his music, you know, you were able sure. to kind of pour it, pour it, you know, kind of allows you to go, Oh, this guy could do it. I could do it as well. then too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jason was a you know huge inspiration and sort of a, you know, uh, he was, he, you know, Jason was, he laid the groundwork for so many people. Um, you know, when he was in the truckers, you know, mm. it was a little different story. Mm. Um, cause like he was, you know, super young and learning his way through and sort of paying his dues. And I've done that, you know, my whole life. I think Jason's only three or four years older than me. And, but I really appreciate, um, the work that he's done and, and just, you know, being an artist, an artist, artist, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who takes the craft seriously. Cause for me, you know, I, I, it's not just putting a bunch of chords together and throwing out a few lyrics here and there. It's a, it's something you pine over and it's something that you, you know, you can't help, you know, and you have to find every word, you know, and you have to refine every word. Um, and I feel like with this record, Recoil, you know, I, I was able to 
really fine, you know, shape them with a fine tooth comb, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you have plans to hit the road in 2017? Yeah, yeah, I'll be out um, mid-January, uh, the East Coast, Midwest, uh, February, same thing, and then March, I think I'm going out in the uh, UK, we haven't announced yeah. it yet, but uh, I'll announce it now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it'll be my first UK run, so awesome. it'll be fun. Awesome. Great. Cool. So you said, okay, so you're, you said you're an Alabama fan, not not Auburn then, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's funny you ask. <laughs> I'm supposed to be an Auburn fan. Uh, okay. My parents both graduated <laughs> from Auburn. Oh, okay. Um, but we kind of got raised in a... Uh, you know, in one of those homes, it's not divided. I know it sounds silly, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, in Alabama, you know, it's you're either an Auburn, Alabama fan. Yeah. It's, it's not, there's no in between. But I was fortunate to be raised by parents who who uh, kind of respected me and also told me to be a fan of the of the more talented team. And uh, Alabama is obviously the more talented team this year, and I have no loyalty. You know, because yeah. I didn't go to college right. for free. The one I like watching the one that makes that entertains me the most. And so, Alabama, obviously, especially in the last four years, you can't touch them. Right. You know. Right. Right. And uh, if I have to speak ahead of time, you know, it'll be Saban will get his sixth title this year. It's it's definitely looking that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not real sure who can touch that yeah. team. Right, exactly. Um, Ohio State, maybe. Maybe. Clemson, maybe. Right. But I was hoping for a Michigan Alabama game, but mm. uh, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> I think Michigan I think Michigan is the most talented team uh, behind Alabama. Right, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned before, before we started this interview that you're a little late, late up uh, the past couple months. Have you been yeah. binge-watching uh, TV at all? You know, I haven't. Um, I don't have TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have, you know, I have Netflix yeah, and sure. a couple other things, but you know, the thing that I've been on is, um, interviews from my heroes, mm-hmm. you know, Motorhead and, um, Metallica, mm-hmm. uh, Guns, uh, Nirvana, Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. you know, I like to, get on youtube that's the beautiful thing about it you know is that when we were kids we, we didn't have it you know the only thing you had was an article in rolling stone and maybe a, a lot of notes and a show you know if they were coming through town now you have so much access to it which is good mm-hmm. and also kind of bad because uh, the mystique is gone i love mystique um, I guess what made me so attracted to rock and roll as a kid, but it is fun to be able to see, you know, an interview from 1972, with Johnny Cash, you know, something you couldn't have seen, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So I appreciate being able to go down those wormholes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, and lastly, uh, where can people find uh, your music and your website? Um, well, the website is MatthewMayfield.com, yeah. yeah. and uh, it's got all the vinyl, and you know the store's got all the stuff that I, I, we've done a bunch of cool stuff lately. Um, everything from 
limited edition vinyl to uh, t-shirts to koozies and you know all kinds of stuff that I, I didn't really I never thought it would be possible, but when you hear your record on vinyl and you hold it in your hands, um, there's something real special about that. Um, and I'm lucky and fortunate to have three records on vinyl so far. And then Recoil is uh, is by far my favorite record. And you know, every artist says their new record is their favorite. Yeah. yeah. So I can't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, you know, you pick you pick what you like, you know, as a fan. But uh, I think that record is uh, by far the most special and something that I hold nearer and dearer to my heart than anything else. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. The sound of the silence breaks me into 